0: The presidential election in 2024 is probably the most important election in our country's history.
1: You're looking at a Biden-Trump rematch that two-thirds of the country doesn't want. I'm Dave Gardner. I'm running for president. The billionaire class has been taking everything and leaving everybody else to fight for the scraps. You're right to talk about economic growth and restoring that American dream. Whereas domestic product has now become a fetish.
2: You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your fairy tales of eternal economic growth.
1: We humans have outgrown our planet. Is growth really making us richer or is it making us poorer? We've got to scale back. We need people to reimagine a lifestyle which requires much less energy and material.
2: Didn't Elon Musk actually say one of the biggest issues that we're facing is underpopulation? Let's not be afraid to talk about overpopulation because it is not about taking rights away from people. It is about giving opportunities to women, children, and future generations.
1: I'm Dave Gardner, independent candidate for President of the United States, and this is the podcast that chronicles my campaign for president. Welcome to Dave the Planet. We've got a planet to save, and the U.S. really needs to do its part. You can learn more and follow my campaign at Dave DaveThePlanet2024.com. Now, I'm not a Republican, so I wasn't invited to that GOP debate, but I will be answering those debate questions see what happens.
3: All right, our first question, the opening question is one for all of you. Donald Trump is the first ex-president in more than 100 years to run for the White House again, and he remains popular among Republican primary voters as his legal challenges mount. Governor DeSantis, let me begin with you on this one. Speak to Republican voters who are supporting Donald Trump. Why should you and not him be the Republican nominee to face Joe Biden
1: a year from now. Well, first of all, I'm not a Republican. Republicans have abandoned environmental integrity in favor of economic growth, corporate profits, and cheap gas. As for Trump, everyone knows he's unfit. He's arrogant and ignorant, a bad combination. He's dishonest, morally bankrupt, and a crook. But I'm a better choice than any Republican running. Because of their environmental positions, a vote for them is a vote for a dead planet. A vote for me is a vote for a bright future for your kids. The climate crisis, freshwater crisis, fertile soil depletion, species extinction, plastics pollution, and other toxification of our land, air, and water are all signs we've outgrown the planet. We're an ecological overshoot. I'll treat that like the emergency it is and launch a national project to end that emergency. I'm the only candidate, independent or any party, who promises to lead the nation, to come together and do what is required to leave your children a healthy planet and a chance for a decent life.
3: Uh, the Israel-Hamas war is barely a month old. Tonight, Israeli troops are fighting inside Gaza City with over 200 hostages who remain captive there, and civilian casualties mount inside Gaza. As President of the United States, what would you be urging Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu to do at this moment?
1: Well, I would tell Israel, Hamas has to go, clearly. But you have to go about that in a way that doesn't kill innocent civilians. It may take longer, but the response must be that targeted and surgical. The world will be with you if you do that. And that's the only chance the Arabs and others won't hate you when it's over.
3: We're going to continue in this vein right now with a question from Matthew Brooks, the CEO of the Republican Jewish Coalition, a partner of the Republican National Committee in this debate. Here it is. Given attacks by Iranian-backed proxy groups on U.S. military bases in Syria and Iraq, attacks that have wounded approximately two dozen of our U.S. servicemen, Do you support the use of military force by the United States against Iran?
1: Short term, I think targeted response to take out facilities and forces that attack our troops is warranted. But long term, we need to find a way to get our forces out of the Middle East. Never again will we fight war to preserve our access to oil. We will fight a war only to defend a democracy under attack by another nation or to defend against atrocious violations of human rights.
3: Now our second and final question from Matthew Brooks of the Republican Jewish Coalition. Please watch. Jewish students across the country are threatened and under attack. What do you say to Jewish students on college campuses who feel unsafe given the dramatic rise in anti-Semitism? And what do you say to university presidents and college presidents who have not met the moral clarity moment to forcefully condemn Hamas terrorism?
1: Threats to Jews in America will be taken seriously. If Israel takes my advice and works hard to avoid hurting the innocent, I think we'll see less of that. While Israel has the right to defend itself and to eradicate Hamas, Israel's current response is muddying the water and making moral clarity difficult. We all have a right to free speech, just not hate speech. While pro-Hamas speech is disappointing, much of it is not illegal. We can't force students or other protesters to offer only pro-Israel rhetoric. We can offer intelligent rebuttal pro-Palestinian speech has a place in the public conversation. But as your president, I would be very clear in condemning what Hamas has done, and threatening violence against any segment of our population will be dealt with.
2: The United States has given Ukraine financial and military support since the war began more than 600 days ago. President Zelensky told me on Sunday, if Russia isn't stopped now, quote, the price will be higher for the United States and Americans would be forced to, quote, send your sons and daughters to defend NATO countries. Senator Scott, where do you stand on more funding for Ukraine?
1: From the beginning of that war, I would have taken another approach. If we and our allies had stepped in immediately with fighter jets and troops to mount a formidable defense of Ukraine, the war would have been very short and less expensive in the long run. The U.S. and every other peace-loving nation around the world should unite and come to the aid of any nation attacked. A very firm, unequivocal position would leave no room for doubt by Putin that he has no choice but to respect the borders of all nations. And we will not be held hostage and prevented from doing the right thing by a threat of nuclear force. We should be clear that a nuclear attack on us or a fellow peace-loving nation will be met with annihilation of the offending attacker.
0: Senator Scott, you've been in the Congress since 2011. Defense spending has fallen over that entire period of time. Where are we going to get the money and what would you build and what kind of ships to deter China from attacking Taiwan?
1: It's a shame how much money we spend on our military, but we do need to have a very strong defense. On day one, I'll be launching my national project to get out of ecological overshoot, which includes putting the country on an energy diet. A key part of that will be eliminating waste, and a lot of that waste is in the military. How many generals and admirals hop on planes every weekend in the fall to attend football games at the military academies? How much money is wasted, and what are the carbon emissions of the Navy's Blue Angels and the Air Force Thunderbirds in their weekly flying demonstrations? I know a single F-35 costs over $30,000 per hour of flight. In a climate emergency, that's got to go. Now, in response to the climate crisis, I'll be grounding a lot of non-essential flying by our military, and federal employees in general, and eliminating other wasteful spending— because wasteful spending is wasteful consumption. I'm pretty sure this will include closing many of our bases overseas. And I want to put an end to the easy money gravy train for defense contractors and put a lot more scrutiny on their and contracts and costs. All of this will free up a lot of money, and some of that can go to maintaining a strong defense. A strong defense and clarity about the circumstances in which we'll engage will be a very strong deterrent to China.
3: Once again, here's Hugh Hewitt.
0: Thank you, Lester. We're going to stay on China and we're going to talk specifically about TikTok. Last week, Congressman Mike Gallagher, who is chairman of the House Bipartisan Select Committee on the Chinese Communist Party, published a long essay on TikTok following the flooding of pro-Hamas propaganda under TikTok accounts across the United States. Chairman Gallagher called it shocking. He called the app predatory, controlled by America's preeminent adversary, one used to push propaganda and divide America. It's spyware, he said, in means of surveillance. Governor Christie, do you agree with Chairman Gallagher? And if so, would you ban or force the sale of TikTok?
1: I'm not in favor of stifling free speech. But if our citizens are the subject of a campaign by a foreign country to spread misinformation or incite violence, I'm inclined to support the idea of doing what's necessary to disable that campaign.
2: We're now going to talk about Venezuela, where millions have fled political and economic turmoil. Many Venezuelan immigrants are settling right here in Florida. Former President Trump and President Biden have taken different approaches to Nicolas Maduro's regime with little result. Former President Trump put economic pressure on Venezuela and backed one of Maduro's rivals. President Biden temporarily eased sanctions to encourage electoral reforms. Governor DeSantis, do you see the political situation in Venezuela as a threat to the United States, and what would your approach be?
1: I believe Venezuela's oil has long complicated our relationship with the country. Oil will no longer be an issue in our foreign policy if I'm elected, because we'll be ending our dependence on fossil fuels faster than Vivek Ramaswamy can say, frack, baby, frack. But anywhere in the world, there are people hurting and in need and especially if it's so bad that they feel compelled to flee their home and seek refuge in the U.S. or elsewhere, we should do what we can with diplomacy, sanctions, and aid to make it possible for those people to stay home and safely live good lives. We will be a very model global citizen under my watch.
3: Let's turn to one of the biggest issues for voters. That, of course, is the economy. This is a question that will go to all of you. An Iowa voter recently told NBC News, how am I going to make sure my pantry stocked without breaking the bank? You've all said the best way to deal with rising prices is to cut government spending. But that would take time to play out, and Americans are struggling right now. Senator Scott, I'll start with you. What would you do the moment you take office? to help Americans manage the cost of living. So we're talking about short-term here.
1: Helping American families meet their needs will be a key effort in my national project to get out of ecological overshoot because we have to find a way to ensure needs are met while we contract our economy. So we'll be supporting existing efforts and initiating many new ones to enable people to come together in their communities and provide mutual support. It'll be part of a national effort to demonetize and relocalize our economy. It'll include co-ops, tool-sharing libraries, skill-sharing and barter, repair cafes, and CSAs. Now over the long haul, we'll rescale our population and economy until we're out of overshoot. That will bring prices down and free us all up from paying the costs of growth. I urge you to read about my economic policy and my national project at davetheplanet2024.com.
3: Let me come at this from a slightly different direction. Americans in rural communities are being especially squeezed by inflation right now. An Iowa State University study found that last year, inflation cost rural households about an extra $5,000. How would you specifically help rural Americans who are suffering right now?
1: I have good news for rural Americans. Under my national project to get the U.S. out of ecological overshoot, we'll be relocalizing our economy and depending far less on other countries for goods. We'll be taking the miles and carbon emissions out of the supply chain. People will want to live closer to their food. Rural communities will see a resurgence. One of the big costs of rural living is gassing up that pickup truck. We're going to do everything we can to eliminate the need to drive all those miles and to power that with fossil fuels. So rural living is going to be more attractive to more Americans.
2: Americans could see their social security benefits drastically cut in the next decade because the program is running out of money. Former President Trump has said, quote, under no circumstances should Republicans cut entitlements. Governor Christie, first to you, you have proposed raising the retirement age for younger Americans. What would that age be specifically? And would you consider making any other reforms to social security?
1: Once familiar with my platform, you'll realize I'm not one to promise short term ease and comfort at the expense of future generations. This is Adult Swim, and I think you can handle the truth. The truth is we do need to raise the retirement age, which is fine because 65 is the new 45. It's middle age. Congress is a good example. The average senator is 64, and four are over 80. Of course, we need to fix that with term limits, but the point is most of us are very productive well past 65. So I will advocate raising the Social Security eligibility age, but gradually so it has the most impact on those who have plenty of time to plan for it. But we can also shore up Social Security by eliminating the cap on earnings subject to Social Security and instituting some means testing so people like Warren Buffett and even failed impoverished real estate developers like Donald Trump can't draw benefits. What I won't do is try to get the women of our country to birth more babies. Needing more taxpayers is not a good reason to bring a child into this world. The increased number of elderly Americans is a very temporary condition, and we we'll re- will return to more even age distribution after we've scaled back our population and stabilized it at a more sustainable level.
3: Once again, here, Salem Radio's Hugh Hewitt. Thank you, Lester.
0: When NBC News talks to voters, when I talk to voters every day, they all say that the border is a top issue. It can mean a lot of different things. It can mean 2 million people who crossed illegally last year. It can mean more than 150 arrests of people on the terror watch list. It can mean the burden on states from having migrants move into their states from the southwestern border. But I want to talk about opioids specifically and fentanyl. And I'll start with you, Senator Scott. Tens of thousands of Americans' families have suffered a death to fentanyl Young people sometimes die taking one pill. What can you do as commander-in-chief on the first day to stop fentanyl and the waterfall of it into this country?
1: I'm not going to pretend to have expertise where I don't, so I'm not completely sure. But I wouldn't ignore the problem. I would favor the most severe legal penalties for anyone guilty of selling illegal drugs that kill a customer. I would push for a strong collaboration with Mexico to put the cartels out of business, including U.S. military assistance in that.
2: Let's talk now about last night's election results. Abortion rights supporters saw victories in Ohio and Virginia following earlier wins in states like Kansas and Kentucky. Governor DeSantis, first to you, how do you see the path forward for Republicans on this issue?
1: My advice to anyone who really wants fewer abortions? Let's not support unplanned parenthood. 93% of abortions happen during the first trimester. There are very few late-term abortions. The number of abortions has been declining since 1990. Today, that number is less than half of that peak. Close to 40% of pregnancies in the U.S. are unplanned. That needs to be nearly zero. We need a real effort to eliminate unplanned pregnancies. That means I will support the best sex education possible for all middle school and high school students. That means none of this abstinence only BS. Free contraception for all, including long acting contraception. And we won't withhold support for family planning agencies doing important work, whether or not they provide abortions. Now, if you want to preach and evangelize about the sin of taking a life through abortion, you go right ahead. But let's keep the men in Congress and state legislatures out of the exam room and let patients and their doctors make the best decisions they can about their health care and specific situations.
3: I'll ask you each to please use your closing statement to focus on any topic you didn't have time to address and why you and not former President Trump would be the party's best choice to tackle these important issues. You each have a minute.
1: A vote for any candidate on that GOP debate stage is a vote for a dead planet. I'm running to defend our children's right to a healthy planet. Their future is in great peril. Climate, freshwater supplies, fertile soil depletion, species extinction, all signs we've outgrown our planet. I'll declare an emergency and launch a national project to get out of ecological overshoot, similar to the home front World War II effort. We'll all come together to go on an energy diet, to end our obsession with economic growth, and map out a healthy 21st century economy that meets needs, but won't leave our kids a dead planet. We'll embrace the trend of voluntarily choosing smaller families. We'll incentivize smaller families and stop promoting and rewarding large families. Visit davetheplanet2024.com to learn more and join the movement to give our kids not a dead planet, but a bright future. So thanks for listening or watching. Um, Please follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode. And please share this episode or the entire podcast series with your friends, family, colleagues, your elected representatives, journalists, students. And don't forget to check out my campaign at davetheplanet2024.com.